Hello and welcome to the Swing Bunt Podcast. This is Jake here today with James and Wes, and today we have a special guest star coming all the way from Watertown, Wisconsin. We have Charlie Johnson. He's going to come on today for both portions of the show, baseball and Star Wars, another one of us rare hybrids. And today we're going to talk about um, our top 10 first basemen for the 2020 season, and then we're going to move into some potential ways that the season may start this year perhaps being in the spring training locations, but we'll get into that later. Without any further ado, this is the Swinging Bump Podcast. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. James, West, you guys know the drill. Charlie, welcome to the show. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself so the people who are listening are like, who the heck is this guy? <laughs> okay, yeah, sure. So I am first and foremost a Texas Rangers fan, so I have tons of feelings about our Houston Asterix. But, um, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Yeah. He's off. Yeah. He's off the show. <laughs> <laughs> I have like, there's two things that I do in sports. I, I will forever refer to Freddie Kitchens as Freddie Bathrooms, being a Cleveland Browns fan. <laughs> and then I will always refer to the Houston Astros as the Houston Asterix from here on out. <laughs> um, I'm a healthcare administrator. Uh, I live in Watertown. I work with a, a, a big Catholic nonprofit healthcare system. Um, I love baseball. I love Star Wars. And all of my family's in bed right now, so this is this is the only time I've had to sit down and relax all day, and I am thrilled to be doing it talking about baseball and stuff on awards. Perfect. I mean, it's the perfect way to spend your time. I mean, I slept most of the day, so I woke up just to do this with you guys. Typical. <laughs> um, all right, so I think what we'll go ahead and do to start the show, and thanks for being on, Charlie, is we're going to do our bottom five, or I shouldn't say our bottom five, we're going to do ten through six of who we think is going to be the top 10 first baseman of 2020 once this season does start up. So we already randomized our list, and if I remember correctly, I accidentally canceled it. I think it was uh, Charlie, James, West, and myself, correct? Yes. yes. Okay, so Charlie, you get to nominate the number 10 first baseman of 2020. Who would you put there? Okay, well, the bottom of my list is an absolute train wreck. I, I think this position gets easier the closer you get to the top three. Um, so I'm just going to throw a guy out, and, and we can argue about him as we are wont anyway. Um, I'm going to say Christian Walker. Mm, okay. Um, I got a couple of feels about the guy. I mean, he, he steals bases, which is a rarity comparatively. So I feel like he's got that going for him. 
Um, he's got an 825 OPS, so, I mean, he's not terrible for power. Uh, and he's a ton, comparatively, but it's still kind of high. And I don't know. I mean, I just feel like uh, looking at, again, there's like this clump of guys. Like, I could throw out six or seven guys right here, and I think they're all marginally okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's playing for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Last year was his first full season. Eight stolen bases. He hit 29 home runs, which is big. 73 RBI and hit 259. So with also 155 strikeouts. So that's the numbers we're looking at. And that's his really only full year. Right. Um, without arguing about everybody else right now, I think he's somewhere in that conversation. So who are some other people that we would want to throw into that category? Well, I actually put Christian Walker at 10 as well. Oh, really? So I am okay. completely okay with this. Yes. I, I, I had Christian Walker somewhere around my 11-12 range. I That's where Reese I would think, Hos- too. Hoskins at 10. Uh, kind of pretty much the same player almost. Maybe a little more power from Reese Hoskins. I think we remember him from his home run derby uh, extravaganza a couple years ago. But And he, he maybe walks a little more than Christian Walker. Um that's the only reason I would have him as in front of Christian and Reese Hoskins up uh, just by a hair, just because I think he gets on base a little more. His batting average was thirty power. points lower last year. He only hit yeah, two twenty six. Look at the on base percentage. Okay, yeah, three three sixty four compared I to what's Hoskins. Have Reese Hoskins higher. Really? Yes. Because he was phenomenal two years ago. He had he a was. down year last year, and yeah. I think he will be a lot better this year. I think he's got huge upswing potential this year. I didn't know where to put him. Like, I literally flipped a coin, and it came up on Walker. But Hoskins is in the same group that I – I had, like, this clump of guys, and I liked Hoskins in this group too. So I'm not going to argue it. I'm fine with that. Okay, so I think that we're all kind of on the same page with this. Now, one thing I want to consider is um, Miguel Sano. He moves over with Josh Donaldson now playing third. And with 34 home runs last year and an improved offense, his RBI numbers should go up even more. And around the same batting average as those other two guys, I don't know why we wouldn't have him in that conversation as well. I actually have him higher on the list. Um, so now I, I love the guts. Last okay, year, so I didn't have him because when we talked about this, I I was I consider him a DH is what I'm going to consider him. But I don't know what he's going to do. Well, let's look at like, it because we talked about. Yeah, like I don't know, I don't know where to put him. Yeah, I mean, as a DH, I think he's great. As a first baseman, I, I'm, I'm intrigued. Convince me. Okay, let me go ahead and pull up the Twins depth chart real quick and make sure he's going to play most of his time at first. Because if not, we'll do a de- if we have time, we can do a DH show as well. Um, I'm a whole lot more excited about him at first base than he is at third because he is a atrocious third baseman. So which, at least him at first, it's minimizing his his fielding. And I think putting him at first maximizes his power. So Look. Nelson Cruz will play DH. He's going to play entirely at first base. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um. I I personally don't want to put him too high. I have a lot of guys on my list that I really like. I mean, first base is a stacked position. I think That's if nice. we end up putting, here's my opinion: if we put Reese Hoskins or, um. Christian Walker at 10, we're going to end up bumping him like we did in the last show with the catchers. So in my opinion, I say we put one of those guys in there that we think are higher because we have a lot of guys in this list that are going to be higher on our list and we'll need to save room for them. Where do you have Hoskins, Jake? I don't have Hoskins top 10. Oh, oh that's so, a problem. 
See, I, I have Sano at eight, so he it's not like he's really high, but I have him uh, I have him just a little bit better because I think he's a better average hitter, about the same power, but he's going to hit for more average, going to walk about the same. That's the only reason I have Sano a little higher. But uh, we can kind of we can kind of sit there with Hoskins at ten, and then if we need to bump him, we can bump. Okay, I'm but cool with that. I have Sano a little higher. Oh, y'all are killing me. I I've got feels, but I'm in the minority. Okay, I'm gonna. I think Hoskins is way better than that, but whatever. How high do you have him? I have him eight. Okay, so that's not oh, that much. Oh, see, no, but, no, no, no. but he is so much better than Sano and and freaking what's he's not. He at, has five home runs less and sixty. Came, I'm talking about defensively and everything. He's so much better than them. I don't know, man. He is a phenomenal first baseman. Is he? I thought he played yeah. left field the majority of his career. Well, not when he came to the Phillies. Well, he's he's been on the Phillies. <laughs> Hold okay. on, let me pull up some. I didn't know he was a great defensive. Let me pull up some uh, stats. His WAR was yeah, one point six last year, James. Yeah, I'm looking That's at because Sano. he played left field. I'm, yeah, I'm not convinced this guy's got the defensive stats to do it. Let me let everyone just freeze, okay? Just freeze. <laughs> okay. His so. fielding percentage was ninety nine percent. Give me 99. one. Second. Nine errors as a first baseman in 158 games. And we haven't really seen Sano play a lot of first base either. That's my point. point. Appearances. Oh, 31 appearances. My bad. 158 games and only nine errors as a first baseman. Okay. Defensive defensive run saved, zero. But that's because... He plays first base. You don't save runs. Okay, so James... You've got some qualms about putting Reese Hoskins at 10. Give us your argument. Because uh, I think he's a very underrated defender. He's way better than Sano. He's way better. I like Walker. I put Walker at 10, but I'm willing to bump Walker out. I am not willing to put Ross Hoskins at 10 unless, I mean, if y'all can trump me on that. But he had 158 games at first base last year. He had a 99, .993 fielding percentage, which is outrageous. And committed nine errors as a first baseman, which they oftentimes get errors from, like, you know, missing balls and stuff, trying to dig stuff, and it's their fault sometimes. So nine errors, I think, is pretty freaking good, personally. I'm actually with James. Uh, I, I agree. That's uh, – I, I think Hoskins should be higher than Sano. They're, they're, they're very similar hitting. Maybe Sano's a little better hitter, but I think the defense, Hoskins' defensive value is so much more valuable. So we just don't know about Sano. Okay. Yeah. I so think, I don't I have to agree. No factors into this conversation. I think it's really a conversation about Hoskins, who, by the way, batted for two twenty six, but that's apparently beside the point. He batted three six. Uh, wait, where's his on base percentage? Was three sixty five. Two fifty. He averages two forty. Yeah, he draws a ton of walks. I'll give him he that. Led, yeah, he led the league in walks last year. James, yeah, your yeah. average there is very skewed. You said you averaged 240, but his batting average in the game the year he played the most games is 226. His 259 yeah, batting he average, he only played 50 games. But he played 246. So his average would be in the mid games. his average would be in the mid 230s. Tomato, tomato, three points. What's the big difference? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> um, okay, so wait, can we so, all agree that Sano's not in this conversation? Well, I think that Sano would be. I would, I would put him put, at 10. I don't mind putting Sano in for Walker. I do not mind. Yeah, him. I would I would have him higher than Walker personally. The thing Hold is on. the thing is is there are other I'm guys above Sano that if we put in Hoskins, we're going to be bumping guys like Josh Bell or Luke Voigt or 
Carlos Santana, which I just don't think those guys deserve to be bumped out of the list. I think I would bump. Oh. I don't have two of those in my top ten. Me neither. I think you guys are crazy. I think you're I think, both. Right. I, yeah, Bell is top five. I have Bell in my top ten. The other two I do not. You don't have Luke Voigt or Carlos Santana in your top ten. I sure do not. You need to check your I numbers from last year, brother. Oh, man. Luke no. Voigt went year, We're nuts. talking about this year, remember? We're talking about Yes, this year. you build your predictions for one yes. year off of previous years. Oh, in that case, Reese Hoskins should be higher. That was two <laughs> years ago, not last year. <laughs> <laughs> you said years? Keyword was years. Anywho, moving on. We're going to take it too long. I think I think Sano should be ten. I, I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that too. If we end up bumping him, we bump him. All right. Fine. Okay. So then Hoskins will be higher, and Christian Walker's out. Uh oh, my headset's shutting down. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I just got a message that said auto shutdown initiated. I don't know what that means. <laughs> if something happens. Something it's happens. <laughs> okay. Um, pulling up. So now, who was next, James? Yes. Okay, James, go for it. Okay, since we the, the argument, even though I have Reese Hoskins eight, I did have Max Muncy nine, but I'm willing to switch them, so I will say Reese Hoskins at nine. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm good with that. So does that bounce Muncy entirely then? No, no, no. So okay. Muncy up higher. Yeah, no, that's, that's fine. Okay, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Jake, um, I don't have access to type in this do I? <laughs> Uh, you know, you don't have access to type because okay, I have cool. Max Muncy like seven spots higher. So do I, but that's besides <laughs> the point. He, he nominated Hoskins at nine. Okay. Uh, nine? I just, seven? What'd you say? I just don't understand how we could put Max Muncy at nine. He had 35 home runs. Reese Hoskins. Oh. Reese Hoskins. Oh. oh, oh. Well, what did you say about Max Muncy then? I have him at nine, personally. Oh, okay. All right. So, I accidentally typed this out wrong here. So, we got Miguel Sano at 10. <laughs> this is a train wreck, man. <laughs> I told you. I would have typed this for you. And Reese Hoskins at 9. All right. I'm cool with that. Okay. All right. So, then, Wes, who's your 8? My At 8, I have Carlos Santana. That's where I have um, him, too. So, I'm cool with that. Yeah. So, pretty good. You know, real super good on base percentage. He actually had a career, I, mean, I want to say, career high batting average last year. He um, he's one of the league leaders in walks every year. Yeah. Now he he might be in for a little regression, but I still think it's going to be top eight in the league. So that's where I have him, number eight. So my only yeah. argument is that I would put Carlos Santana slightly higher than Josh Bell. But if you guys want to flip flop that, I'm okay with that. Um, I like Bell switch hitting, so I have him higher, but I'm okay with it. Yeah. I'm fairly confident Carlos Santana switch hits too. Yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's okay. I like I like Santana Eddie. Yeah, I like Santana. No, I'm not arguing. Oh, uh, okay. Oh. All, all I'm saying is I'd put Josh Bell at eight, Santana at seven. It, but if we want to switch think, it, I'm okay I with think that. I have Bell at seven personally. Okay, we so can do I this. Also don't, we well, can do have Santana on my list at all. I think that's a mistake. You just, you just probably don't know him as well because you know National League guys much better than you know American League guys. That's just the facts. Are we okay with doing Carlos Santana at 8 and Josh Bell at 7? Sure. Yes. Okay. yes. okay, so I'll nominate Josh Bell for 7. That's my nomination. And Josh, to go ahead and run through this real quick because I think we're kind of moving quick without talking about who these guys are a little bit and just kind of arguing about our opinions. <laughs> Miguel Sano... 
first he's moving to first base. He's going to be the first baseman for the Twins. Reese Hoskins, for, Hoskins, first baseman for the Phillies. Carlos Santana, first baseman slash DH for the Cleveland Indians. And Josh Bell is the first baseman for the Pittsburgh Pirates, who's honestly one of the only good players on that team this year. So The only good one. <laughs> yeah. All right, so Charlie, it's your turn to nominate our number six first baseman of 2020. Uh, this is actually where I have Jose Abreu. Ooh. See, there's a name I don't have on my list. Uh, <laughs> he's only the most consistent. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So I, actually, yeah. I actually don't have him on my list either just because You're there's so stupid. many good first basements at the top. There are so I many. I initially mm-hmm. did not have him on my list until I pulled up that consistency argument. And and that's where I got sold on them. I really – I did not consider a top ten guy – and I talked myself into him. So talk me out of him. I'm okay with that. So he's a two straight years as a all-star. He hit yes. 33 home runs last year, 22 the year before. Led he had the league in RBI. Led the Number league in RBI, in RBI last year. Yep. He had 19 votes as the MVP this previous season. Uh, 36 walks only, and he struck out 152 times. Batting, average, batting average of 284. Oh, oh yeah. Guy crushes it. Yeah, so 265, 304, mm-hmm. 293, y'all, 290. Y'all not have Anthony Rizzo in y'all's top 10? I do. I do. I do. <laughs> I, to, I told you. I don't have well, Carlos Rizzo, Santana. If, if Rizzo's in there, I don't see how Abreu can be in there because the top five are locks to me. That's My what I'm saying. Locks. There are some guys in here that a lot of us I have hired. Someone. Yeah, I think someone is somewhere. Because I don't have Josh or Jose Abreu on my list, but I feel like that may be a snub. Maybe we bump Sano out. Yes, I will. I because that actually. Yeah, I think we bump Sano out and just put Josh Abreu or Jose. I don't know why I keep saying Josh. Jose Abreu in here and then bump Sano out. So that means Hoskins going ten again. Yep. <laughs> this is so dumb. So we're back to where we started. This is so dumb. Oh, this is oh, who am I missing? Clone War Ahsoka's arc. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. <laughs> I don't. I, I just am honestly baffled right now. Why? Why? I just don't know what I'm missing here. You must not like Max Muncy at all. I don't like him as much as he's not my top five. So he wouldn't be even if I edited it a little bit because I threw it together at the last minute. I would still have him six. Well, whenever we come back, I will give you my argument for Max Muncy. I mean, I've got Max Muncy as my two. So woo, that's I have my top three, and I would not touch my top three at all. Okay. So, are we arguing then that we're going to put Jose Abreu in here at six and shuffle around these bottom four a little bit? Sure, why not? Whatever. Since me and Wes don't have him at all... But it doesn't I matter we, if you have him or not, but look how good his stats are. I just don't... We, I don't have faith we, that he's going to continue to replicate that. How? He's never done anything worse. He's never, never done worse. Yeah, that's the thing, man. That's where I, I was at the same point. I literally thought this guy is not going to do what he's done. And yet since 2014, he's been doing it. I mean, MVP, I think... MVP, MVP, All-Star, MVP. I mean, it, MVP yeah. voting. Well, yeah, but the dude yeah. gets votes. Yeah, He got 19 think... votes. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I, I just think that, that, yes, he has a very low floor. But I think these other guys' ceilings are so and, much higher than him. And that's where I am, that's too. Where, that's where I have it with these other five. 
I mean, I, he, I, I reason, one thing going for Abreu also is you got to think about how much better his team is getting. That's true. He he's only going to improve. I think. He, I think his ceiling's high too. Just not maybe not as high as the top five guys, but he also struck out 152 times. I mean, who with, hasn't struck out 152? There's times? a lot of guys. Yeah, there's a lot of strikeouts on this list. He won a Silver Slugger yeah. also in 2018. He had MVP the MVP votes 14 of them in 2017. MVP votes in 2015 for 21. He won rookie of the year votes, MVP votes in his rookie year. I don't understand. Okay, so what we'll do is we'll bump Sano out, and then we'll just adjust our list from there. So we're back to doing number six so now. Hoskins, so Hoskins ten, Santana nine. Yep. Bell eight. Yep. Then you messed up. Thank you. Does that make a Bray seven? Yep. So now we're back to doing a new number six. Okay. All right. So now Charlie, it's your turn. <laughs> That's where I had a bray you. Oh, that's right. Uh, bray too. You had a bray you at six. Yes. Okay, so I think that balances out since me and Weston didn't have them. We'll put them at seven. So then, who do you want to put at six? Then who's on your list that we skipped over? Right, we skipped someone over. No, because my my seven through ten was a train wreck. So okay. I'm I'm okay with your seven through ten. Yeah. All right. So who you got at six? Abreu, I told you. Okay, no. so I will, I will you go. have to. I will go. Oh, okay. Yeah, damn. Yeah, your new guy. Um, new guy. I'm gonna go with. Um, ah, see, this is where I had Bell too, but we talked ourselves out of that. Um, shoot. Let's go. Let me just throw a name out then. Um, this is where I'll put Santana. We've already got Santana on there as well. At nine. Oh, yes? mm-hmm. Are you not updating the document? It's updated. Can you not oh. see it? No. Huh, interesting. Let me try again here. Yeah, we've got Hoskins 10, Santana 9, okay. Bella 8, Abreu at 7. Okay. Um, then let me throw another name out. Um, can we just argue about Paul Goldschmidt? I, I think that's fine. That's the name I would put in that area. Okay. Um, the guy that I have <laughs> at 7 is Luke Voigt. Or at 6, I mean oh, Luke yeah. Voigt. He is not no. Not on your list at all. No. How do you think he plays there? What's that? Does he even play a lot? He's their starting first baseman. He was injured a little bit last year. I have Anthony Rizzo at my six. Okay, I was willing. That's who I was going to say was Anthony Rizzo because I think he's right up there with the top four guys, but he's a little degressed down below them. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think, I think Rizzo... I, I like Voight. He, Voight had a really solid last year, but Rizzo's still the same player he was. I just don't think Voight's there yet. I mean, yeah, Voight's only his... That's on Voight. Voight, last year was his first almost full season. He got injured. So I just see yeah. him progressing. I'm fine with not having him up there. Um, I personally think that he's going to have a great year and be one of the top first basemen. I understand there's okay, not so a lot backing that up. So I'll freeze. drop him. Is my tornado alarm's going off, and I'm kind of freaking out here. Okay, no problem. Um, let me check the weather real quick. Sure, I'll just mute you, you for a bit. Yeah. So we can drop Voight out. That's fine. Uh, and you said all right. So I pulled Bo- up Goldschmidt, Anthony Rizzo's correct? stats. We got last year, 2019, played 146 games. He hit 293, had a 405 on base percentage, struck out 86 times, walked 71 times. 27 bombs, 94 RBIs. Yeah, I've got I've got Rizzo that's, higher. That's a he had an OPS of 924, 
and he's a very good defensive first baseman. Um, he had yes. five errors in 146 games. I, I just think six might even be a little, little low for him. But yeah, I've got, it, I've got Rizzo higher. His defense as well. is mm-hmm. solid, way mm-hmm. solid. Very. But I think the guys ahead of him have to be ahead. Okay, I would put Muncy behind him, but that's me personally. Yeah, I, I don't would agree not, with that. No. But I had the four in front of him. I think have to stay in front of him. So I had Muncy at five, but yeah. So my argument for these guys would be Paul Goldschmidt and Matt Olson in this area. I, I have think Olson. I mean, Olson might be a little higher, but yeah. I mean, Olson and Rizzo, I feel like are right next to each other. That's yep. what I have. Uh, so do we want to do Goldschmidt and then Olson then Rizzo? That's okay, I, I have Goldschmidt at three, so I I don't agree with that. He strikes yeah, out too much to be too. three. He for strikes me. out a ton. Okay, but last year might have been his worst season ever, and he's definitely gonna have a bounce back season. This is gonna be like he last year Jake had him as an MVP candidate. I think last year he struggled. This year he's gonna bounce back to a big way. I agree fully. I don't want to I mean, put him at and two. His down though. season is two sixty thirty four home runs. So then, hear me out. If you guys have him high, and we say that we're putting Goldschmidt, uh, Rizzo, and Olsen in this area, let's put Olsen at six, and then we can put we'll compromise to put Goldschmidt at five. See, I think I think Olsen, Goldschmidt, and potentially even Rizzo are better than Max Muncy, just I'm, because I, yes. especially, especially Olsen yes. and Goldschmidt. Oh man, because of their defense. I'm not just willing to put Muncy that low. He's on the Dodgers this year. You know how many times they're gonna have to pitch to him because but you of the also have to him. think that all the games he's not gonna play because they are so deep. He's gonna start first it, base. It doesn't matter if he starts. It doesn't mean he's gonna play every single game. Uh, well, dude. I like Muncy, but Muncy still hit 250 last year. These he other also guys hit. are hovering around 300. Mm-hmm. Guys, I'm telling you, you're going to look like buffoons. You're going to look like fools for saying Jose Abreu, but I'm not talking trash. <laughs> I like Muncy. I like him a whole lot. He's hit 35 home runs two straight years. Jock Peterson yeah. plays first as well. Cody Bellinger plays first sometimes. Oh, yeah, let's have a conversation about Cody Bellinger. He's going to be an outfielder. For the purpose of our show, he'll be an outfielder. Right, but yeah. he's still going to get like 30-some-odd appearances there, yeah. so you know that's going to cut into Muncy's time. You have to account for that. So yeah, then what are we point. arguing? Put Muncy here and just rise Goldschmidt and Rizzo? Even, no, and I say higher? Rizzo at 6, Muncy at 5, yeah. Olsen at 4. Yes. And Goldschmidt at 3? I Yes. Ugh. I'm okay with just dropping I'm, Muncy from this conversation, but keeping that order. I'm not will. You're saying take Muncy out of the top 10? Top me? No. No, Charlie. No, this, this grouping of guys that we're talking about, I don't think Muncy's in the same category. Not with Olsen. I love Matt Olsen. I get him wherever I can in fantasy, but I'm not putting him at top four, top three. He doesn't have the – he strikes out a ton too. I guess a lot of these guys strike out. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, they Olsen all yes, have the – Olsen and Muncy's on base, or their stats are almost identical. It's just Olsen's is just a so much better fielder. That's where I gave him the bump up. And, and maybe I've got a little recency bias with Olsen because I see him on the A's, but that's – I'm willing to admit Watching that. a lot of A's games these days? Well, you know, I take what Rangers games I can get. Oh, that's they, right, yeah. They yeah. will broadcast the A's Rangers games all the time. I just personally see someone like Max Muncy as being on a – better offense than these guys just having so many more opportunities to get rbi and have to be pitched to not getting pitched around um but my argument is to put goldschmidt here if we're, if we're not going to put goldschmidt, I, uh, 
Either Goldschmidt or Olsen. Goldschmidt or Olsen. I can't see putting Muncy or Rizzo. Rizzo Rizzo six. That's my vote. Rizzo six is my vote. I'll compromise on it and put Rizzo at six. Okay, Okay, yeah, that's fine. All right. (laughs) All right, so that rounds out um, our six through ten first baseman for 2020. This is a heated conversation. It's really getting... This is fun, though. <laughs> yeah, it is fun. And it's funny that I put in so much time into this, and you guys are all throwing your list together five minutes before the show starts, and you're so invested into it, but okay. I have been working on this since you asked me to be on this. I appreciate that, Unless, unlike my co-host who forgot the show was going tonight. Yes. <clears throat> hey, I'll be right back. <laughs> Don't bother. Don't get deep in this conversation without me. <laughs> okay, so let's take a break from the uh, hatred spewing from our mouths right now as we debate this <laughs> and let's talk about something we can all try to agree on um recently the commissioner's office has i don't know if you would say leaked but they've put out that they're discussing a potential um idea where they're going to play or look into playing the season entirely in the spring training facilities which is in arizona and in florida the grapefruit league and the cactus league so all these teams currently already have their own facilities down there for spring training and it makes it so that games aren't going to be canceled they won't have to worry about rainouts um they don't have to fully fund and operate these huge stadiums that they have in their home cities this is just something to be much more localized and make travel much easier they're not going to be traveling nearly as much um and i think it's honestly in my opinion a solid plan i think probably the most likely thing to happen if baseball is going to continue this year so what are your guys's thoughts on this proposition and go ahead and flesh it out because i'm sure not all of our listeners know this idea entirely so what it looks like to you and what you think of the potential of this happening so wes what are your thoughts first yeah uh it's i mean i think it's a great idea uh i'm, I'm all for it if we can get baseball back i would I would rather I would have them play in my backyard if that's what it took. But uh, yeah, I think uh, most of us would be okay with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so that's least I'm me, coming honestly. over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know the the new divisions. Obviously, there's grapefruit in the Cactus League. One you know one set one side plays in Florida, the other plays in Arizona. Um, I think the one side of the I guess you can call it the one the grapefruit league is substantially better in my opinion than the cactus league and uh maybe someone would be left out if that if there was a grapefruit uh as kind of an al and a yeah. cactus as kind of an nl so let's there go ahead and left out let's talk about that really quick okay because yeah. i'm not sure everyone knows this when the teams go down to spring training they aren't necessarily in their same division so they play however many games it is for the month of march and a bit of a or i'm sorry uh, mostly just March and tiny bit of April sometimes. But lately it's been baseball's been starting in March, which is crazy. Um, but anyways, so the divisions, they don't match their major league divisions and their major league leagues. It's not just the AL and NL, Central, North, or East and West. So the way it breaks down is the Grapefruit League is comp- uh, composed of three divisions, the North, South, and the East. The North division would be the Tigers, Phillies, Pirates, Yankees, and Blue Jays. Okay, so these are going to be your division rivals for a year. The Grapefruit South is the Braves, Orioles, Red Sox, Twins, and Rays. Minnesota South. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's the South. (laughs) (laughs) And then the Grapefruit East is Houston, Miami Marlins, New York Mets, St. Louis Cardinals, and the Washington 
Why did I forget the Nationals? Thank you. I almost called them the Redskins. <laughs> oh, Toby's going to hate you for that one. I mean, honestly, that's a tough division outside of the Marlins. I mean, the Mets aren't great, but they're solid. So that's a tough division. The Mets will be okay. Yeah. And then we go over to the Cactus League. You should be worried, Wes. Without those <laughs> trash cans, I don't know what you're going to do. Like Atlanta and Houston really got messed up in this deal. Yeah. You got Tell your, me about it. You've got it rough. But you would all, you could argue that for a lot of teams. No, so then you have <laughs> you have the Cactus League, which this is a rough division in my opinion. It's the northeast of the Cactus League. It's the Arizona Diamondbacks, Chicago Cubs, Colorado Rockies, Oakland A's, and San Francisco Giants. I mean, if the Cubs don't win that division, something wrong has happened. I think the A's are the front the runners in my trouble. The A's will be good. It'll be interesting to see them play different teams um, than they haven't played before. And I wonder what they'll do with like DH and NL rules. We'll get to that later. Yes, I have lots of feels about that. Yes. And then we have the Cactus League West. It's the White Sox, the Reds, Indians, Angels, and the Dodgers. So my Indians are getting stuck with the powerhouse Dodgers if this Yeah, happens. but then you got the slum of the league. So we'd have to hope for a wild card. More no, than that's not really slum. It's actually a pretty good division. The Reds bad. are solid. Yeah. yeah. So are the White Sox. <laughs> that's a tough to No. And then you have the Northeast, which, oh my gosh, I would pay so much money to put my team into this league. Or division. Yeah, we have the Kansas City Royals, Milwaukee Brewers, San Diego Padres, Seattle Mariners, and the Texas Rangers. So really only two contenders there, in my opinion, is the Brewers and the Rangers. So these are the potential uh, div- division settings that everyone's going to have. And I don't know if they're still going to play 162 games, but it's essentially you're going to see yourself playing 19 games against each one of these teams if they play a full season. Um which is just going to be absolutely wild watching your team play all these games against teams you've never seen before. I honestly kind of look forward to it. Same. Yeah, so the article I'm reading says 12 games apiece against the divisional opponents mm, and mm-hmm. six games against the other teams Okay. in the state. So, yeah, a little abbreviated. Okay, so it would be abbreviated. League is so jacked. Grapefruit League? Yeah. Just yeah, thinking yes. about this, you have the Astros, Braves, Phillies, uh, Mets, Twins, Yankees, Yankees Na- Cardinals, Nationals, and Rays all in the same league. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> That's wild, man. And the Blue Jays are up and coming, too. You know? Okay. If you say so. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, they got Vlad. They got Boba Shet, They got John Run Chu Fu. Um, so. My yeah, let me hear what you have to say. This mm-hmm. is the Universal DH. Thank you. Is that something they what? have said they're going to do? I, I of course, if you're a history, if you're a listener of this show, you know the <laughs> the history, and I would be fully on board for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if Braves did get a DH, that would that would be very good. But I mean, I'm I'm anti DH. I mean, that go. definitely hurts the National League teams, um, because they aren't necessarily built for that. I mean, the one thing they are built for is a lot of National League teams have a deep bench because they're used to having players yeah, move got in and out. Benches, and how many of those teams have a fourth outfielder in their farm team? Absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah, it'll work out. It'll yeah, work. I think that would be a wise thing to do. They just don't necessarily have the Nelson Cruzes and the Edwin Encarnacion's who are designed just to come in, hit fourth, and hit home runs every time they come to Oh, play. dog, we have a, a guy. Oh, what? Not, but he played last year. I already, Austin Riley. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. So people have someone who can come in and hit homers and strike out. So or strike out. Yeah, exactly. Well, I just strike out every time. Um, it was interesting. I got a text message from a buddy of mine who lives down in Arizona, and he works at one of the um, Cactus League stadiums. And he was talking to his boss, who is really involved with this whole project right now. Apparently, a lot of the a lot of the things going into this decision is some of his ideas. And he's just saying it really looks like the league is really trying to make this happen. And I really hope that it does. I think that it it provides a lot of opportunity for us to watch baseball. Of course, there are going to be no fans at any of the games. Um, and I don't know if that's just going to be like locked down entire season or until everything subdues or subsides, I should say. Um, yeah, that's actually my only real concern with this. Mm-hmm. And, and again, healthcare administrator talking is is with what's going on in Florida is is i i'm really squeamish about this going down in florida uh, it'd be my preference would be to see it all happen in arizona i don't know if that's possible do they have the facilities for that they would probably have to double up and i don't know how kosher that would be with some of the teams but yeah and the, especially with the, the arizona idea of the social arizona distancing facilities are all super close to each other mm-hmm. whereas the florida facilities are literally all over the state mm-hmm so talking about travel restrictions and some things like that, that could get really wonky in Florida, and you currently don't have those issues in Arizona. They should probably just do West Virginia because those fools held out yes. Born forever. Yes, raised in West by God, Virginia. <laughs> I will back up that statement. <laughs> and you uh, cousin, but we'll not get the coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> it builds up an immunity that you just don't know. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, if you swam in the Ohio River, you're immune to it. <laughs> Um, another thing too is this is all going to require. This is going to require a ton of testing kits, um, because they're going to have to make sure employees don't have any symptoms or don't have the virus. I did hear that they're developing. Uh, I mean, I don't know how accurate this is. Uh, a test that can happen within seconds and stuff. Yeah, which so we really- we're we're in the process now of getting a rapid test in Wisconsin. That will give you um, 15 to 40 minute results. Oh, that'd be great. Because um, it has been like three there, or four days. Yeah, there's a bunch of crazy stuff out there in development that would give you instantaneous results. And then obviously the antibody test would mm-hmm. be an instantaneous result when that comes out. So, oh yeah, man, if, if, if the FDA would get out of the way and let the free market do some stuff, we, we could have some answers real quick. But that's a personal political opinion that has nothing to do with <laughs> baseball. I mean, everything has a... Right now, everything has something to do with everything because everything's just linked by this coronavirus. So it is what it is. Um, any other thoughts on this before we go back to our rankings? I just had one thought. Uh, Zach Wheeler with the Phillies brought up a point where his wife is currently pregnant. Mm-hmm. And by the time, you know, by the time they get the game, get game started, uh, he'd be away from her if he's staying in Florida or Arizona most of the time and he would have to fly back and forth back and forth instead of having 81 games at home so he was one of the ones who was not okay with this uh, he came out publicly and said no I'm not about that so um, it's kind of interesting to see how it'll be interesting to see how families are uh, kind of worked around that so let's look up Zach Wheeler's salary and see if he can afford to put up a place for his wife to come stay Didn't <laughs> oh yeah he can afford it <laughs> was he the first guy to do the paternity leave too what do you mean? The when when MLB instituted a paternity leave for fathers, mm-hmm. like what two, three, four years ago, something like that, wasn't Wheeler like one of the first guys to exercise that, and he caught a bunch of garbage for it? 
Oh, no. I, who was it? was a pitcher. I know that. I thought it was Wheeler. Um, it, no, this is his first uh, child Daniel coming Murphy. up. Oh, is Daniel Murphy? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, Dan, this Zach Wheeler thing, I'm reading an article right now, is saying that this is his first child coming up. And he said there's no way oh, he's okay. going to miss his his first child's birth, which I totally agree with. He should totally be the first, yeah, first child. Absolutely. So, These people have families yeah, and lives definitely. outside of baseball. Yeah, you can take the paternity leave, go spend time with your wife. And, I mean, I think that you know what you're signing up for. When you're playing a major, going to be a major league baseball player, you're going to spend a lot of time away from home. Um, yes, now all his time is away from home, which that really does stink. Um, but I think that if you're – he's making $118 million for the next five years – I think you can try to maybe get your wife come a place to come stay with you in Arizona. That would that's you what I would do. In a place, buy yeah, a house, it's exactly. Would do. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, I no, I'm in no place to judge what position he's in, but just me personally, I think for the good of the rest of the league, I think that if I were him, I would put put that aside for myself for one year, or just don't play baseball I mean, this year. Doubt, it's up to him, man. I doubt he's the only one. Yeah. Who you know for that reason, but. You know, he was one of the ones who spoke up, so just interesting thing. I wonder, about. I wonder what his alternative is. Is it for him don't play baseball at all and I still get paid? Because <laughs> maybe that's what he would rather do, or if it's play at our own I'm stadiums. Sure take some time off. I'm sure that's what it is. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I don't know his life, so I don't really know. But... I want to give everyone a chance to say anything that they want on this. So, is there anything else before I move back? I was just going to say that I think it's a really cool idea. I think they should even the teams out a little more. I don't know if they've already had it, like, based off this previous year's, mm. uh, mm, um, whatever it's called, preseason, whatever it's called, I forget the name of it already. Spring training. Spring training, yes, sorry. Um, you know, because you, you clearly can tell the top teams. Like, you could have put, like, the top Houston in one, New York in one, Atlanta in one, Dodgers in one, and then went down. Uh, well, I mean. It, yes, you could do that. You mean just keep – so you're saying keep them Separate in either the, the Cactus or the Grapefruit League and just change the divisions? Yeah, right. because I don't yeah. know how they got, like, the divisions in the first place. Like, mm-hmm. why is Minnesota and the East? They said it was geography of where they where the actual practice facilities are. Mm-hmm. So they just kind of uh, up whoever was – yeah. Yeah. Okay. I know that Houston and the Nationals have the same practice facility, so that's why they're in the same division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's okay. why they're – So that makes a little more sense to me. Okay, okay. Sorry. Forget what now, I said. But, yeah. One thing I could hear an argument for, which I would understand. Now, the, th- the problem is a lot of these teams, they're used to their own facilities that they have. But if the teams were willing to change their usual spring training facility for a different one, just to be able to maintain the current league structure, meaning AL, NL, and having the East through the West with the Central Division and everything – and just saying, look, we're just going to completely – everyone's going to share their facilities. So Cleveland, you're used to be in the Cactus League West, but now the AL East is going to be in the Grapefruit League. So you're going to be going over to share the old Phillies facility, you know, and everything's going to be lined up how the leagues are and everyone's just going to switch facilities. I could see that happening, and I'd honestly be okay with that as well. So who gets all of Houston's trash cans if they have to <laughs> Don't forget our cameras. And I the mean, cameras. That's the main reason we like that Make facility. sure they all work. <laughs> we can't just move them to Arizona. Come on, guys. Yeah, that's a good point. On, that's a good point. Come on, son. All right. So I think that's enough of that. Um, let's go back to fighting and getting each other's throats. I like yeah. it. All right. Yeah. I think it's easier for, 
Elma's easier from here. <laughs> <laughs> so we have our number five coming up here. So let's think. We've had five oh, so far, turn. so it should be Wes's oh, turn. Oh, it's my turn. No, it's or my James turn. James' turn. Okay, sure. Yep. I'm good. Since I had him nine, but we've discussed him, I'm going to put Max Muncy at five. I'm fine with that. I had him at two, but we've we've totally argued about it enough already. He's, I know he's not going to be at two, so we'll put him at five. Yeah, I will vote present on this and just let it go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, Charlie, do you had him lower on the list or higher? He wasn't on my list at all. He was on your list at all. He was not. Interesting. Yeah, I had him at nine, so I could see that. Okay. All right, I think for sake of not killing each other, putting him at five is fine. Uh, for a little bit of... Um, perspective on Max Muncy for our listeners. He is the Los Angeles Dodgers first baseman, um, but he does share that position from time to time with Cody Bellinger and um, what's the other guy? The, the guy who Jack only yes, Jack Peterson. So he did not get full playing time, but he did have 5.7 WAR last year, which is higher than anyone on our list so far last year, including even Jose Abreu, the legend, apparently. Yeah, um, but he played second base like almost anyway, whatever. Whatever. Nope. <laughs> he is going to be playing more first base this year, though. Is at least when I look at it, when I see their depth chart, he should be playing primarily first. So I think Actually that played three positions last year. He did first, second, and third. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is good at defensive player. He is from Keller, Texas, which is uh, about a few minutes from where I grew up, so it makes him even better. So just by proximity. All right. So Wes, your vote, right? Yeah, now uh, I did originally have Alonso here because his defense is atrocious, but because I think I that that's a losing fight, I'll say Matt Olson at four. Uh, he's the best defensive first baseman in the league. Uh, offense isn't quite up there. With, uh, offense isn't up there with the other top three, but um, it's pretty dang good. He had 36 home runs last year in 127 games, 91 RBIs. 267 batting average. He strikes that a lot, but, you know, that's every We've established everyone does. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, that's, just, that's just part of the job. When you when you go on your resume, you have to put in strikes out at least 150 times per season. And like, ah, I see, you, I see you've met the quota. <laughs> <laughs> see, I could have met that quota too, but... You know, so, I guarantee you. 200 <laughs> um, I think that with the way our list is shaking down, that's where we got to put him. So. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So we're putting Pete Alonzo, we said? Or Matt, Matt Olson, I'm sorry. Okay. I apologize. Matt Olson. Yep. Matt Olson. Yeah, I, I, love, I, I, hate, I hate to love, or I, I love to hate Matt Olson mm-hmm. because he's on the A's, but he's a great player. So my argument then, which is, like you guys mentioned, he was my pick to be MVP last year, and he just hurt me. I can't put him at one. I've got Paul Goldschmidt at three with his strikeouts then. Um, and the potential for him to jump back up. Originally, I had him at, I think, five or six, but we that ship has sailed. So I had yes, Paul Goldschmidt at three. Um, he is an offensive monster, and when he was in Arizona, I mean, he was one of the greatest players in baseball. We saw him drop off last year. He still hit 30-something home runs. Um, so I would argue to put him here. I agree. Okay. Yes. I, I think we're starting to shake down. Guys are starting to agree. A lot less uh, throat tearing. Yeah, which is good, you know. I I like to you know have some agreement among friends, but um, I think we might have a little bit shake up here. We'll see for the final two. 
Um, I've got what I... Well, we might not be unanimous. We'll see. You had Max Muncy at two, so you're definitely not unanimous. Well, no, I mean, from here on on out, I mean. Because we all know who the last two are here. So let's just go ahead... It's Let's just go ahead and say we've got Freddie Freeman <laughs> and Julie Gurriel at one. <laughs> we've got Freddie go Freeman and Pete Alonzo. Yeah. So let's hear arguments for both sides, if there are arguments on both sides. I mean, I can do Freddie Freeman. Let's just you save you. Me? Let's save James's biased opinion of Freddie Freeman for later. His well-informed opinion about <laughs> Freddie Freeman. I'm I, willing to listen to it. I also would put Freddie Freeman at one. So let's hear James. Give That's us give us the lowdown. Okay, so ha, hear me out. All right, you ready? Yeah, we're ready. Do it. You sure? I'm just trying right. to stats up. While I'm doing this. <laughs> oh <Okay>. my gosh. <laughs> okay, he is the most consistent player that I've ever seen. Okay, look at his batting average, his whole career. Besides his first season, it was very bad that year. I don't know what happened to him. But he's a rookie. He batted two eighty two his first full season and never went. Went 259 one time, and almost every single time after that, it's been over 300. Mm-hmm. He was in the P voting one, two, three, four, five times. Five out of eight years? And Nine he, years. And he honestly really deserved a lot of votes last year. I mean, he was amazing. He's won a gold glove. He's won a, he's a silver slugger, um, which was surprisingly not last year when I felt like he hit more home runs. He did. He, no, okay, he did win it last year. Forget what I just said. He led the league in doubles in 2018, led the league in hits in 2018, led the leagues in games. He played every single game in 2018. He didn't sit out one game. Yeah, so I he mean, doesn't get hurt. the guy is a legend, I, honestly. Just, and, and he doesn't even really have a good swing. He has like a short, short swing that just hits the ball and it goes a mile. I, I would say that's, that's, I would say that's a good swing. <laughs> I mean, like, it's not like a King Griffey Jr. swing. It's just like, yeah. ah, I'm going to hit this ball. Boom, it went over the fence. What the heck? He's he's truly amazing, and he arguably had the best year of his career last year. And he's a phenomenal defender, too. Mm-hmm. And he's a great, got great leadership, uh, on the captain of the team. I would 100% agree we put Pete Alonso 2 and Freddie Freeman at 1. Are there yeah, is there any I argument agree. to that? I mean, Pete Alonso hit, had 120 RBIs, which was mm-hmm. great, but... I mean, Freddie had 121. Across the board, Freddie's Freddie's a five, well, he's a four-tool player, just fantastic. Yeah, I think the only knock against Alonzo is just he hasn't done it for as long as Freeman. Yeah, has. he's, he's isn't a fair because he is a rookie and this guy is going to be a long-term star in the major league baseballs. Mm-hmm. But I'm okay with it. I mean, and Alonzo's batting average was 260 compared to Freddie's what 298, right? 290. Yeah. Yeah, it was brutal. Yeah. Um. So I just think there's no argument really for it. Um, I was hoping that maybe someone would say something else, but you guys did not buy into recency bias, bias of Pete Alonso winning uh, Rookie of the Year. But the guy is a monster. The polar bear, he deserves to be up here at the top of our list. But Freddie Freeman is the unanimous number one. So quick run through of our list. Let me type it up really quick. We've got Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso might strike out 200 times this year. If Either it wasn't way. for an abbreviated season. That's true. That's going to be very weird seeing all the different stats um, being changed. You know, like everything's going to have to have an asterisk next asterisk next to it, like during the strike of 94 and, you know, the... Um, Which I'm still a little bitter about. That was a Braves yeah. National Championship. No, no, no. That that was going to be the Expos. We all know it. Yeah, that doesn't count. Yeah, no. All right. So at number 10 on our list with some 
heated debate is Reese Hoskins, Carlos Santana at 9, Josh Bell at 8, Jose Abreu at 7, Anthony Rizzo at 6, Max Muncy 5, Matt Olson 4, Paul Goldschmidt 3, Pete Alonso 2, and Freddie Freeman. Do we have any people you're just like, holy cow, why is he not on our list? Definitely not Luke Boyd. <laughs> yeah. No. I'm just the only thing I see concerning is Max Muncy if I personally, but that's just me. That's no no, you're hundred percent correct. But again, no, you're hundred percent wrong. Yeah, I would disagree. <laughs> see, here's the so thing. I Wes and I are intellectuals. But anyways, I think that the, that was a fun exercise. So this is our consensus list. I'll post it to our social media. You guys can yell at us, just like we've all yelled at each other. Um let's move on to our stats of the day. So we have three of us on here, so I go ahead, went ahead and did not waste the time of coming up with a story because I figured you guys would provide me with great story time. So I'll just sit back and relax. We will go by in the order of who is my best friend. So, Charlie, you can go first, and then Wes and James. <laughs> Dang, I'm Wes. Oh, that's cool. That is... I don't feel comfortable here anymore. Um, so yes, I have both a stat and a story. Let's hear um, it. Being, being the Rangers fan that I am, I was Oof. deeply saddened by the retirement of Adrian Beltre. Mm. But super excited about his first ballot Hall of Fame that will totally happen. Um, so there's been a lot of Beltre tribute stuff out there. Uh, his birthday was also last week, so there's an even more Beltre tribute stuff out there. And um, I just super enjoyed seeing and reading all of those stories. I knew a lot of them, um, especially the, the one about him not wearing a cup, which I thought was hilarious. Um, never in his career did he. Um, but then I was reminded that he was one of only five players to hit 100 home runs for three teams. Wow. And again just further submits his first ballot Hall of Fame nomination in my in my mind. Do you happen to know the other people on that list? Um, it's bonkers names. Like, uh, um, man, I should look at it real quick. It's like Jackson's on that list. Um, there's all kinds of people that are like, it's like, it's like four guys you're thinking of. Um, okay, so then we said, Wes, you're my next best friend on the show. Yay, okay. Uh, <laughs> so mine's just kind of a quick stat. Um, since we're doing first baseman, uh, one of my favorite stories of all time with first baseman is uh, is the story of Luke Gehrig and the movie Pride of the Yankees. Mm. Great movie. It is um, a great movie. So I just wanted to bring up the original Iron Man, uh, the Iron Horse, or whatever you want to call him. Uh, Luke Gehrig played in 2,164. Well, I take that back. He didn't start his first two seasons in, through 23 through 24. First, he started through 25. Or first season he started full-time was 1925 when he took over. Does anyone remember the first baseman? Wally Pipp. Wally Pipp. Thank you very much. And then he played in 2,143 straight games. So that is the great Luke Gehrig. Amazing stat of the day in the the Iron Man. To later be passed up by one and only Cal Ripken Jr. Yeah. Lou Gehrig was truly a, a man that you don't see like today. The things that he played through and um, mm -hmm. just the career that he had and the man that he was is just a, a really awesome story. It's just too bad that his, life, his career and his life had to be cut short. Um, but a man to aspire to be like. And I, I always like hearing stories and just uh, talking about a guy like him. 
All right, yeah, James. I was looking at his, oh, go ahead. Well, Bless. real quick, I was looking at his stats real quick. In 1931, he had 185 RBIs, 46 homers in 155 games. Wow. That is crazy. He hit wow. 351 with a 446 on base percentage. Okay, I'm done. That's just ridiculous. <laughs> Yet somehow I didn't win when we drafted the greatest teams. But I'm not bitter. No, you're bitter. <laughs> and and better. Anyways, James, go ahead and give your mediocre story, whatever it may be. Actually, the story is I didn't really have one, but I, I did. It's one of my favorite stories about Freddie Freeman. Um, but before I did that, I looked up the. I just gotta get this off my chest. I looked up the stat of who were the other. Th- the four people to hit 100 oh, home yes, runs for three teams. I've got it, but please, yeah. Jim Tomey, Alex mm-hmm. Rodriguez, Reggie Jackson, and Daryl. I don't know who Daryl is, but he played for the Braves, so I like him. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> you know, we honestly should have tried to figure that list out all together, but oh well. It is what it is. I, I, I probably would have get a Rod might have been the only one I got. I would have gotten Jim Tomey if I would have put my mind to it. Daryl Evans, yeah, I don't think Dar- I would have Darryl gotten. Daryl Evans would not have happened. Yeah. That's- yeah, contrary to what I said, that we would all figure it out. No, we would not figure <laughs> that out. Um, who, right. who is Daryl Evans? You guys, while you're, James, while you're giving your story, I'm going to look up Daryl Evans. Mine's really, it's just, it's not even really super baseball related. It's just a baseball player. It's Freddie Freeman, um, and it's just a little funny story. Uh, I don't know if you know in the South, but when it snows, it ices. And when it ices... Basically everything. It's like the coronavirus. Everything shuts down. I mean, you don't go anywhere. It's insane. Which you can relate in Houston area, I'm sure. But Freddie Freeman was driving somewhere, uh, and then it started snowing. It started icing. It was icing so fast that basically the whole interstate shut down. And Freddie Freeman was stuck on the interstate in the middle of, like, Atlanta trying to get home to his wife. And he tweeted about it, and literally within like 15 minutes, somebody pulls up on a four-wheeler, and it's Chipper Jones, picks up Freddie Freeman on his four-wheeler, takes him all the way home on his four-wheeler, and to this day, it's one of my favorite stories about Chipper Jones, because I don't really like Chipper Jones, I've mentioned that many times. (laughs) That is funny. I just thought it was so funny, um, because if you, I'm telling you, if you lived in the South and saw these ice storms, they're insane, because cars are sliding everywhere. They don't know how to drive. Oh, no, it's ice. Yeah. It's not snow. It's totally different, mm-hmm. Jake. Shut up. There's also no salt trucks in the snow. James, they don't know how to drive yeah. <laughs> in the snow. To be no, fair, my first winter, my first winter, I didn't know how to drive either. <laughs> I got in so many accidents my first winter, so it is what it is. I remember when I went to Maranatha, it was the first time I had ever driven in the winter, besides just like driving around my own little hometown when I was in high school, and. Uh, I used to fall into the ditch like multiple times a week and have to get pulled out just because going down this one hill back by the dorms, I just would turn as I went to the bottom of the hill and just slid right off the road <laughs> far too often. That, that is not a hill. That is – no, 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 no. You are, you are confused. There is no topography in Wisconsin. Well, a slight decline. <laughs> are you talking about right behind the dorms? Right in front of Leland dorm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I see many cars there. <laughs> They don't ice very well, but oh well, it is what it is. All right, everyone, that's our baseball show. It was a little off the rails today, but that's par for the course for this show. Thanks for listening. We're about to move into our Star Wars talk. Uh, We will be talking about second baseman. Maybe we'll do second baseman and shortstop next week. And then uh, uh, we'll see what else comes up. Thanks for listening to the show. 
This has been the Swing Bump Podcast. Like us, follow us everywhere, subscribe to the show, download all that good jazz, and we'll catch you next week. So long. Sawdust, that pine salt in the moss Around every spring, when the winter thaw We'd huddle around the radio, twist the broken knob 7.10 a.m., no KJR Davey House's voice would echo throughout the yard Couldn't have been older than 10, but to me and my friends The voice on the other end might as well have been God's 1995, the Division Series Anchors up to back, bottom of the 11th inning Got the whole town listening, swung on it, built it The words distorted, Joy Core around third Here comes Griffey, the throw to the place, not in time my oh my, the Mariners win it Yes, fireworks, they lit up that ceiling in the kingdom We had just made history Here comes Joy, here is Junior to third base They're going to wave him in The throw to the plate will be late The Mariners are going to play for the American League Championship I don't believe it It just continues Alright guys, so that was the baseball portion of the show. Now it's time to talk some Star Wars. So if you watched the recent, most recent episode of The Clone Wars, then you got to see the end of this four-part arc with Ahsoka, Trace, and Rafa. If you ask me, a very disappointing arc, especially once I saw the, the plot for this arc and how we're going to see Ahsoka develop in the underworld and in the crime world. I was very excited about that, but I think what we got was a watered down um childish story that just didn't really do anything as far as driving the pop plot forward as far as developing the characters that we care so much about i mean this is the third of the final season of the show and i probably will never watch these episodes again no that is that is a stone cold fact mm -hmm. i will avoid these episodes like i avoid the droid episodes yeah except for the one with gregor ah <laughs> uh, that's true that was good <laughs> But yeah, um, I just, it, last week on the show, we talked about how the first three episodes just didn't seem to really connect with a lot of the fans, us and fans, us included, um, just saying that it was just so shallow and, uh, mm -hmm. repetitive and it felt like we had a story full of these characters that just didn't really carry a lot of substance, which is what I've always argued for about the Clone Wars is yeah. this is yeah. not just an animated show. This show has so much depth and so much great character development, interesting stories that are told that if you're a Star Wars fan, you've got to watch it because it tells some great Star Wars story that you just don't get from anywhere else. It brings some mm -hmm. great context to the prequels. It brings great character development for Anakin, for so many different people. And then these episodes just come in and just spit in the face of that idea. <laughs> Yeah, I felt yeah, like it was. A head scratcher. Yeah, go ahead. It's such a head scratcher because, like, it's the same people, right? The same people who made uh, seasons, you know, four, five, and six, who mm -hmm. are still doing the same development. I don't, and let, it feels like there's there's a different voice in there that's just skewing it. Because I mean, episode seven, you could throw out that episode and just have six and eight. And nothing changes. Yeah, you would never even know the episode didn't happen. Yeah, 
That is. Yeah, you're in a cell. You you try to escape. You're back in the cell. Start of episode eight. You're in the cell. It, you're, you're absolutely right. If you c- totally cut out episode seven out of that list, you would never even notice that there was something else there. I mean, I no. feel like these episodes, the sole purpose was to get you to put Ahsoka and Bo-Katan in the same room. And it was like, this is how you chose to do it. Like, we, we know they have a common enemy in Maul, but mm-hmm. you chose to do it this way. That was my biggest beef with it, was you had such an awesome endpoint. You had such an oh, yeah. awesome beginning point, mm-hmm. and then just all of this stuff that didn't happen. Absolutely. Happened yeah. So I know that you're going – Charlie's going to share the way he would have done this, which I think is a really yes. – I want to hear that. I want to give a few yeah. little ideas that I had about this too. So, oh, please, yes, Joe. So let's just talk about this. Uh, Wes, you too. I don't really want to spend this episode talking about the episode itself. Because I just felt like ugh, right. it wasn't. It doesn't. It's not worthy of that conversation. So let's talk about how we would have done this. Um, I want to talk about the two things before we do that that I really liked about this. I liked seeing this episode have a lot more of Ahsoka working through a problem. Right? She was working through how do I negotiate with these Pikes and how do I get from protecting these people who deserve to be protected. How do I get from protecting these people who deserve to be protected while still making sure the right outcome happens? And then she also sees this stuff going on with Maul. So there's a few interesting elements that I felt like could have been a lot cooler that I did enjoy those portions of the episode. But for the most part, again, a forgettable episode. So here's what I would have liked to have seen more of. We are left with Ahsoka, right? Leaving Anakin. In an extremely emotional state, unsure of what her future holds leaving the only thing she's ever known, the Jedi Order, leaving her master, who she calls like an older brother, but like a, her only parental figure she's ever had in her life, that she's extremely close to, who she models much of her life after. Um, she leaves this guy. We pick up with the show where she's just this girl riding around, literally, she's just riding on a motorcycle, you know, a, space, a speeder bike, <laughs> and she crashes, and now she's with these girls that we don't care anything about, and spends four episodes with them, on some silly mission delivering spice. What? Why couldn't we have gotten something more emotionally involved of her really struggling with who she is going to be, you know? Having Absolutely. her try to struggle with, I'm not going to be a Jedi, so what am I? Um, that could have been a much more interesting thing. And I think maybe if she could have seen the crime of the undercity of Coruscant and yeah. seeing it really affect her, and her take stock in trying to protect these people could have been really cool. And I think that's kind of what they were going for, but it was so watered down and childish. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, no. yeah if I had to, like, I would have loved to see more involvement with the Mandalorians. Yeah, like, absolutely. Because in that last episode, like, they, I know that the last arc is all about Mandalore and all that stuff, but since they're there, they show up in episode 7, I would have loved to see them be a part of the escape, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. instead of just them showing up at the end like, all right, let's go. Let's Where your taxi. Yeah, they're all in <laughs> that whole time. Exactly. Like, they're doing something. Yeah. 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 And, and it's a part of it is because I think they don't want to get involved with Maul, which why didn't you just involve Maul with this now? You oh, know, right. we could have had him for eight episodes instead of four. I'm totally cool with that. Um, yeah. but so we know these next four episodes are probably going to be much better. Day- now, one thing you said, Wes, is you felt like a different voice was telling these episodes. Well, you're right; they were written and directed by 
not solely Dave Filoni. And the Clone Wars was never really done that way, where it was Dave just doing everything and everyone else right. following suit. But these are writers who, they take different arcs and they take control over it, more or less, and Filoni kind of signs off on it, you know what I mean? Uh, especially yeah. with how much he's doing these days. But you're right, this did have a different voice to it. Um, I just would have liked to have seen more emotion and depth to it, is really how I feel about it. I think that this story could have been a lot more serious. Um, yes. It felt like the Pikes were these idiots that just could not handle anything. They were not proficient in any kind of combat. They were getting beat up by these girls with wrenches, and then the little jokes of these little uh, alien technician guys. I mean, it was just too silly. Now, I, I don't want to get all on the show for being a cartoon, because it is a show for kids but that's what it was originally made as. That's not what it is anymore. It's fan bases. It's grown men. And no, I mean, I figured this out last, like, two nights ago when I was watching, because my kids are finally up to speed with it. Mm-hmm. We started season seven um, yesterday, and we started watching the Bad Batch episodes, and my five-year-old daughter looks up at me, and she says, I like the Bad Batch. They're weird. I mm-hmm. like weird stuff. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, yes, clearly this is still a kid's cartoon. Right. But, like, I'm a 32-year-old grown adult sitting here watching it with her. Exactly. And enjoying it, too. And you'd be watching it if she wasn't even there. A hundred percent true. Yeah. And I just felt like they gave us this watered-down episode of the slapstick comedy and these people that are like, oh, you're dealing with the Pikes. You're really getting into bad business now and then they were a joke and it's like man yeah. just yeah. the the crime yeah. families that we saw before were scary even his previous seasons now you're just like i don't care about these guys at all these three people can take them on by themselves yeah honestly they're coming off like the germans in mash like yeah like, oh, they're escaping like here we go again oh they escaped again oh it's like come on but yeah. if i did have to say one thing that i thought was kind of cool i liked how maul kind of came out kind of like al capone kind of guy and they're like, oh man, they're, they're, he's putting us against uh, all the the other, these other guys, and like that's a good move. Like that, mm-hmm. that was kind of cool, but just we should like have seen that more was... of that. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, more puppet strings with Maul. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah. that's the whole point of this. All right, Charlie, I want to hear yeah. what you have. What would well, you have, have done? I have actually fleshed out four entire episodes with titles, with raising, falling actions, with you, you name Like, I could give this to Dave Filoni and make this happen. All right, let's do uh, it. So so episode one of the Ahsoka story arc, just a small town girl. So Ahsoka leaves the temple and goes directly into the underworld. You know, mm-hmm. she's fleeing. She's running. She doesn't know where else to go. So she just keeps going down. <clears throat> And what does she find in the underworld? Exactly what you were talking about. It's poor. It's corrupt. It's dirty. It's everything that the top side, the surface isn't. And then here's your little bit of childhood for my five-year-old and my three-year-old and my seven-year-old that are watching it. She has to do all the stuff that normal people have to do now, right? She has to find an apartment. She has mm-hmm. to find a job. She has to eat. Here's your zany hijinks. Here's your laughs. Here's your slapstick. Because it's her doing all these things without using the force. So, like, she trips over droids and she drops stuff and blah, blah, blah. Okay. The episode ends, and that's the whole episode. And then the just episode. Just her kind ends, of struggling through everything. Just, yes, yeah. Yeah, like her just struggling. The episode ends with her in this tiny, dirty apartment with, like, an overhead shot. And, her, like, her knees are all pulled up in her arms. And she's just sobbing uncontrollably. Mm-hmm. Like, she's finally, like, she's as far from the Jedi as she's ever going to get. And then she hears 
Anakin's voice say something about mastering your emotions and your circumstances before you get mastered by them and lead to suffering. Something that's vaguely foreshadowing about Anakin, right? Right, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. so then she just, she collects herself and she starts to meditate, all right? So then episode two and three are a two-part episode. This is living in a lonely world and she took the midnight magma. (laughs) Yes, I was waiting for oh, it. Okay. Okay, no, before you continue, I want to touch no, on that. Please. Yeah, no, good. Um, I love the way that that could have ended. You know what? I'm just going to make this the new canon in my brain. So <laughs> it, that could have been great because when we see who she develops into in Rebels, she is a, yes. she is a woman with a mission. She has a purpose. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like these four episodes – she was just kind of listless. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe I think that what we were looking for is her to find that purpose in these four episodes and then to move on to the mission in the last four. Mm-hmm. Maybe what they're going to end up doing, she finds her purpose in these last four episodes. Well, and that's how my episode four ends. Okay. Is this time she hears Obi-Wan mm-hmm. say something about compassion without action isn't compassion at all. Right. And then she goes out and like, finds that center between jedi not a jedi because mm-hmm. i just read the ahsoka novel a couple weeks ago you're welcome and that's really yes 100 <laughs> percent. you know and it's I, I listened to the audiobook which is narrated by ashley Eckstein. again awesome yeah, that was great yes yeah. so again but that's the whole point of that book right it's like mm-hmm. her trying to find that balance between not being a jedi but still trying to be a force for good and still you know anyway so i feel like they had that opportunity in these four episodes to do that and they didn't. It's like mm-hmm. Anna Karenina. Nothing happens. Yeah. So, I hate that book, by the way. I have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> okay. Uh, literature. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So episode two and three, Living in a Lonely World, she took the Midnight Maglev. So, so this picks up with her going out and finding another job, finding something else. But, but now she's seeing all this dirty, corrupt suffering but she's she's more attuned to it. Mm-hmm. And then she's still Ahsoka. She's still the Padawan. So she literally bumbles into a spice deal. And like like there's an addict and a dealer and she literally or some other underworld. Yeah, addict. maybe she just is doing some job and she sees something happening. Right. She right. sees something goes down and yeah. in the end of it, she has to intervene and she ends up killing the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And then she she figures this stuff out. Like she's like, oh man. Like, I've got to do something about this. Like, right. maybe the other person says she's in over her head or she doesn't know what kind of a whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So then the rest of these two episodes are like a very noir detective style. It's everything that To Catch a Jedi should have been if it wasn't so rushed. Yeah. That's my one beef with that episode is it's only one episode. It is. And that could have been a full force episode arc. Yeah. I mean, so that's I... that last episode of – the Clone Wars of season five, yeah, season yeah. five is honestly the peak of the show in my opinion, and it was oh, only yeah, twenty four yeah. minutes. I was like, make that a full feature film. <laughs> that was that so, should have been the Clone Wars movie too, right there. Yes. Yeah. So this is what we get then for these for the rest of episode two and episode three is her going all through the underworld and mm-hmm. seeing all of these things and interrogating bad guys and making hard choices and like it's. It's great, you know, like there's people considering her being this little girl and like she gets to stay stuff like I'm not a youngling anymore and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So so finally at the end of episode three, she gets to some mid-level, high-level boss and, and, and kills him. All right. So but but she's like, is this is this really what I'm here for? Is this where's the justice in this? 
So the episode four, going anywhere then, starts with her kind of in that contemplative state, back at a diner working as a waitress, feeling like, did I accomplish anything? And then she gets jumped by a bunch of goons after work one night. All right, she gets outnumbered, she gets in a corner, she's losing. And she finally decides to use all of her Jedi skills to beat these guys. And that's when Bo-Katan and not Death Watch show up. Mm-hmm. And and maybe you saw the foreshadowing in episodes two and three. Mm-hmm. Like maybe in panning shots, you'd see a cloaked Mandalore or something like that. Right, right. You know? But this is when they show up and they're like, hey, look, we have a common enemy. That common enemy is Maul. And then she goes with them and cleans out like the real boss on Coruscant. And then poof, off they go and their ship to Mandalore. And like they all team up together and say, hey, yes. I can't go to Mandalore with you until you help me finish what I started here. Absolutely. She oh, makes a deal with them, so she gets better. stuff done. Could have been so much better. It's <laughs> really depressing to hear because now that, now that I hear that, it's like, what did I just watch? And honestly, that's a lot of what I had in mind when what? I was reading the previews for what this was. I, was, I thought that was what was going to happen. All the grittiness of level 1313. Exactly. None of it happened. Instead, we go to this world that's very generic, and it looks like they didn't put a ton of time into even the art. One thing I always said with episodes, like, even if I watch certain episodes, excuse me, watch certain episodes, I'm like, eh, that episode wasn't great. I can at least, like, look at the art and say, like, oh, man, those were great. I loved watching the different things that they did with this. Mm -hmm. But, like, this, uh, whatever, Ogdaba or whatever the planet was that they were on, um... With the oh, pikes? The pikes yes. Obadiah. Obadiah, thank you. Yeah. Um, it was just like gray buildings and uh, mm-hmm. everything was flat and clean and there wasn't a lot of texture going on. Just like we used to see in season one and two where yes. everything looked like it was just painted with one brush and then yeah. you had a few clay characters on it. And I was just is, like, man, this was just a, a drop in quality in so many ways compared to what we're used there to. There is one redeeming quality in this arc and season seven as a whole and it's the same redeeming quality that all star wars has in common it's the score it's the music oh absolutely oh yeah yeah um and you know one thing i was i was listening to the um uh ashley Eckstein interview on rebel force radio and her arc where she leaves um where she leaves anakin that last scene with her and anakin is the only live recorded song in the entire show Everything else was uh, synthesized on a computer. That, oh, wow. So that, her song, when she's leaving Anakin, is the only time they actually recorded music live for that. Wow. So I thought that was cool. Yeah, and Jake, uh, kind of touching on what you just said about the, kind of the, the art. Even looking back, you mentioned, like, it kind of reminded you of, you know, season one. But even looking back to the Bad Batch, like, them going down the side. And oh, Yeah. Like, I'm like it's so much different. Season one, like, or all that in the first arc, and this arc, it's like, it's like, oh yeah, there's a yeah. gray building. Oh Great. man, yeah, the Bad yeah. Batch art was amazing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there was there was enough in it because we just we just watched um, the second episode in the arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just watched the second episode in the arc tonight. So of so the Bad Batch tonight, arc, you mean? Of the Bad Batch arc, gotcha. yeah. yeah. And, like, my, my oldest, when he saw Echo come out of the stasis chamber, he was like, oh, they did it! He was right! Like, Rex was right! Like, he was legitimately emotionally invested in this. Mm-hmm. And he hadn't seen the Citadel episodes for, like... Oh, weeks. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, but, like, he, he knew, like, as soon as all this was going on, 
it, like it was just there was a depth there that you didn't get with any of this. There, the depth of art, the depth of story, the depth right. of anything. It's mm-hmm. it's just it's so shallow. It's so veneer. Yeah. Well, I think that we're gonna really change our tune in these next four episodes. Uh, hearing Dave Filoni talk about it and Ashley Eckstein, just everyone involved, they said these last four episodes is the Clone Wars at its best. And we know it's going to go into the timeline of Revenge of the Sith. I'm really excited for it. Um, Wes, one thing. Last week, we talked about the Citadel episodes and how you need to go back and watch them because of a few really cool things that happened there. Yes. those are That's in Season 3, actually. That's right after they changed over Ahsoka's costume from the tube top <laughs> and then to her like <laughs> Jedi regalia or gear or whatever it is so that's near the end of season three that's when the show honestly took a turn for the best in my opinion dude there was a gigantic shift at the Mm -hmm. beginning of season three that like it doesn't feel like a new show Mm -hmm. but it kind of feels like a new show here's what happened they said after the success of season two because you know they start working on things right away even once the show season two ended they're working out through season two season two ends they're like okay so our demographic for our fans is uh men not no. children. So let's make the show a little bit better. <laughs> and we can <laughs> And they're spending a lot of money on this show and buying all this yeah. stuff. So <laughs> let's put yeah. some time into it. And that's so when they really took off. One of the off. things that I I've been doing this year is um I normally read like a ton of nonfiction and like real historical biography stuff mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um I have only read two nonfiction books this year. Everything else has been Star Wars Disney canon stuff. Right. Just so I can figure out what's going on and speak intelligently to my children now but because like i grew up with all the old expanded universe stuff so like all the legends now right so i have feelings about that which but, is in in my internal head canon is still canon until it's still canon it, it's always going to be canon mm-hmm. you know but like i'm still trying to keep up with my kids because they're watching all like the lego shorts and all this other stuff and right. i'm like oh I don't, I don't know where i'm at so like i've been trying to and there is in the larger disney canon world huge amounts of disjoinder i mean like it's just not as connected yeah and they've got a team universe was right and they've got a team but they're not doing their job they've got a team Uh, that their job is solely to make sure that everything is it's called the continuity whatever they're called and they have they have issues all the time (laughs) yeah yeah but i did read the tarkin novel and it talks about his time on Citadel. Like it doesn't actually go into it because it's mm-hmm. it's it's about a, a more specific event in his life um, pre A New Hope. But um, it makes references to things like that, and it did a, it did a really good job of talking about it. Hmm. And I've read a couple three other books now um, that have referenced Tarkin and his time on Citadel or other people that have been attached to the Citadel. And, and that is one point of continuity they have gotten incredibly correct. And I, as much as I have just dumped on all of these people, I have got to give them that. Oh, good. Yeah, I, I for the most part, really like the books because a lot of these uh, authors that are writing the books are some of the same ones who wrote the original oh, yeah, EU Zahn's authors, too. Oh, writing all the Thrawn stuff. Exactly. Again, like, as Tim well Zahn's so amazing. Yeah. Karen Travis puts out a lot of good books. She puts out a lot oh, of bad yeah. ones too. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah <laughs> I have been judicious about what I've read of hers so yes, far. Yes, you have to be. All right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening. Once again, we'll be back next week with another re- preview or review recap of the first episode of The Mandalorian arc, episode 9 of season 7. Thank you for listening, and we will catch you next time. May the Force be with you.